0: Good morning. May the 4th be with you. Hopefully that's the only time I'm going to say that today. Yes, I, please. I love Star Wars, but uh, all of the, the endless Star Wars memes today <laughs> tend to drive me a little batty by the end of the day. So, The social media barrage. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I, I
1: love Star Wars too, but yeah, this is one day I could do without.
0: Yeah, although I I suspect in general we're going to be a, a tad crankier. We'll end there, and we won't be alone today because no. many of us stayed up late to watch the game, and it was sort of for naught.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Two uh, one loss for the Jets. Easily, essentially a two nothing game. The Jets got a goal very late in the third period to uh, at least give themselves a chance in the last minute, 45 seconds or so, to uh, equalize the game and send it into overtime. But it was not meant to be. The Predators were, boy, they played what I consider a perfect road game, Brett. They just, they got a goal early. They managed to lock things down. Uh, The Jets didn't get any bounces at all last night in terms of the puck. Things just didn't really go this way, and... I guess, you know, anybody's super disappointed this morning, I get it, but did we really think this thing was going to be over in five, that the Jets were going to come home on Sunday morning, having advanced with a victory in Nashville tomorrow night? I don't think many people would have predicted that at the beginning of the series, but when you get up 2-1, that's what you start to imagine, right?
0: You mentioned they played the perfect road game. What do you mean?
1: Well, you know there's different style, right? When you're at home, there's a little bit of an expectation that you're going to entertain your fans. And when you're on the road, you don't have that pressure. You're just you're going out to win and it doesn't matter how you win. And sometimes uh, the perfect road game just dictates you get the first You get the first goal and prevent the home team from doing anything special, anything spectacular, and that's what Nashville did last night.
0: Suck the crowd out of it. They
1: sucked the crowd out of it. They sucked the Jets' speed out of the game. They didn't allow the Jets to do the things that they, they are normally very proficient at. And so uh, what you end up with is the Jets' second loss in
0: 15 home games. Hang on, Greg. I'm just going to pull the blind down because you're going blind. I am going to get blind here in a
1: sec here as the sun rises right directly into my eyes. And I I hate that we have to close the blinds because I love the sunshine. But, yeah, so what we have is uh, in 15 home games, the Jets have 13 wins and two losses,
0: both losses
1: at the hands of the Nashville Predators.
0: Well, that's interesting. So, okay. Okay. Um, another interesting thing is the game times, particularly for Monday. We'll get to that in a sec. What mm. time does tomorrow's game start? Eight thirty tomorrow night,
1: and it was announced last night that Game Six on Monday will also begin at eight thirty Central. So another late night for folks.
0: Three straight eight thirty start yes. times. Yes.
1: Oh boy. So thank you, NHL. I know you want to get your double headers in on on uh, television, but uh, eh, kind of a little bit unfair for. For those of us that that have to work the next day, and I'm not even counting myself in that, we work unusually early hours, but anybody who was at that game last night, I don't think was home before midnight, so that makes it a little bit difficult, but hey, what are you going to do? It's sort of a once in a few years thing. And holy crow, were there are a ton of people downtown last night. Yeah, it was beautiful night. It was amazing night. to see. And I know you were downtown as well last night. There's so many things going on. And uh, just the last thing, at least uh, from a high level view of the game last uh, last night before uh, we visit with Kelly Moore later on this morning. At booing PK Suban, guys, it's not working. <laughs> okay, it's time to like just give up, give that up. It's time. I think it motivates him more than anything. He's one of those athletes. I think that would thrive in a situation like that. I booed him a couple times in Game Three for sure when he did real uh, what I would consider clown stuff and and things that I don't like to see in hockey. But this consistent booing when he whenever he touches the puck, I think it's time to to get rid of that whole notion. If uh, I were an
0: athlete. Uh, I think that would energize me.
1: Yeah, I, I think it energizes him too. And I think I said this before, he's going to, we're going to get tired of booing him before he gets tired of hearing it. Yeah. You know, plain and simple. So I think it's time. So it's now a best of three. The series is really just getting started. Lots of stuff to discuss, including Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo tomorrow, Third and Bird Market. I know you got a sneak, preview of that last night, Brett. So much fun. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we are so proud of, of what's going on in our community on so many levels, so we're going to celebrate that throughout the day. The CFL entry draft was last night. The legend, Bob Irving, will join us. Later on this morning, to break that down as well, the Manitoba Moose, they start round two of their AHL playoff series against the Rockford Ice Hogs. That goes tonight and tomorrow afternoon. We'll find out about what they plan to do tomorrow should their their game with Rockford go into overtime because there's a watch party for the Jets game that starts at 8.30. The Moose game starts at 4. So if that game goes uh, any later than 8 o'clock or so, We're going to have a little bit of a collision here in terms of uh, people at the Moose game and people coming downtown to watch the Jets game down at Bell MTS Place. So we'll find out about the logistical nightmare that could create. But I'm certain that the, the Moose and True North have a plan on that. Now we know it was under that blanket in the corner. It was Jerry's tuba.
0: Yeah, I like that
1: one. That's I was a new one. What he was hiding? <laughs> yeah, not bad, not bad. You are so talented, Jerry. Well, you know,
0: I, I practice every week, and I try to come up with something new and original. And I uh, actually been working on that one for quite a while.
1: How, oh. many, how many instruments do you play? I haven't counted. Well, I'm going to start keeping track. Oh. Uh, that music can mean only one thing. We're going to talk about movies with the. Coach Potato, did Jeff Braun make his way back to the newsroom? Are you flying solo, Brett McGarry? I am
0: flying solo on this one, yes. Jeff's uh, I mean, he's a busy man. He has to bring us global news at 7 o'clock. He will join us for having coffee talking coming up at 645. Do you remember the movie Overboard? You know what? I do. If, and I do
1: remember it with great affection because I really like Kurt Russell. Yeah. He's one of my faves. And it was a very, uh, if I remember correctly, sort of an unassuming movie, just
0: very charming, yeah, and yeah, I think a surprising hit. Once upon a time, and I remember Kurt Russell; he made that really neat shoe rack in uh, on her ship on Goldie Hawn's boat. Yes. It was the, the the one where you like turned a crank and the shoes would like appear from the front or the but they'd like <laughs> trade <right>. spots. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, I like Overboard too. Do you remember Overboard, Jerry? Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it's great. Did you know they remade it? Yes. Yep, they did, and it's out this weekend. Here's a clip.
2: Why am I even trying to be a nurse? I'm going to be delivering pizzas and cleaning carpets for the rest of my life.
3: No!
1: You're very attractive for a carpet-cleaning
0: lady, although you maybe could do something with your hair. Yeah. No,
4: that's not it. It's your face.
0: Yeah. So, in the original, Goldie Hahn plays a rich lady who treats a carpenter played by Kurt Russell like garbage she falls overboard and gets amnesia at which point russell gets his revenge by making her believe she's his wife and having her walk a mile in the shoes of the lower class well in this remake they switch it up and the woman ferris is the blue collar schlub and the dude is the richie rich he's played by eugenio derbez whom we've actually never heard of, The Couch Potatoes. Uh, his IMDb page is almost all Spanish-language credits, so perhaps this is the beginning of uh, seeing more of him. But I don't think this movie's going to be a success, so maybe not.
1: I was worried that uh, I was missing out on the latest greatest actor in Hollywood, but uh, if you have not heard of him, uh, nor have I, and I feel much better about that.
0: Yeah, now it seems like he is game for all the shenanigans in this I'm poor?
5: Yep. How come they don't look like me? We had to use a sperm donor. I'm sterile.
0: Eva Longoria's in it too, playing Ferris's friend, and yeah, it does not She'll save it! She'll save it! You like Eva Longoria? Yeah, for the most part. Can <laughs> she save this film? I I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, also new this weekend, You see I can't just gonna move on. <laughs>
1: How long do we we spend talking about a bad movie?
0: Yeah, uh, also new this weekend, David Tennant plays a bad, bad man in Bad Samaritan.
2: Now where's last night? All right, man. Really? You still, digital cameraman? you still use these? Absolutely.
6: I love this one. Crazy to think what you could do if you did this for your full-time job.
0: Just a poor,
6: struggling
0: artist. Bad Samaritan is about a dude who works as a car valet, but he's a scammer, a thief. A burglar.
6: Welcome to Nino's. That's a beautiful car, sir. Yeah, don't touch it.
0: Navigating home. So, what happens here is David Tennant rolls up in a Maserati, and our dumb protagonist uses the car's GPS to take him back to the guy's house. Well, guess what he finds in that house? He finds a woman who is chained up. And then realizes, whoops, I should probably get out of here, but I can't just get out of here and leave this woman. So I gotta call the cops. But then he calls the cops, and David Tennant is on to him. He has already moved the woman, and now it's cat and mouse between David Tennant, Doctor Who, and this stupid valet.
2: Ah. I'm gonna help you,
0: I promise. He's got a girl chained up. He's crazy. It looks, you know what? I like David Tennant. He was great in Jessica Jones. He's great in almost everything he does. It look, he And he looks menacing. He looks okay. like, a, he like uh, I don't know if you know what he looks like, but he's got this permanent scowl yes, on his yes, face. Yes, yes, much a scowler. And uh, so I think he could be good as a bad guy. And finally, Charlize Theron has a new one this weekend. It's called Tully. No,
6: no, no. Do you know what a night nanny is? They take care of the baby at night so mom and dad can get some sleep.
2: I don't want a stranger in my house. It's like a Lifetime movie where the nanny tries to kill the family and the mom survives and she has to walk with a cane at the end. Get over yourself.
0: Ah! Charlize plays an exhausted mom who is about to learn a bunch of life lessons from a magical nanny. Enter Tully. Hello.
2: I'm Tully. I'm here to take care of you. I'm just not used to people doing things for me. I hold a baby all day, and then nighttime rolls around and I'm supposed to just switch gears, like, hello, I'm all sexy now. You're empty. Yeah. No, you're empty on this side. (sighs)
0: So, this is a comedy drama from director Jason Reitman and writer Diablo Cody, who did a film called Juno back in 2007 you remember that? I a do. starred Ellen Page. Ellen Page, Canadian-made film, essentially, yes. Didn't realize that it was 2007. Yeah, time flies, buddy. Long time ago. Tully's actually getting great reviews, and uh, it's at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Now, it's worth pointing out, Overboard is opening... I'm just looking at Rotten Tomatoes, and it, it is the the release date for this film, but I am not seeing it listed on Cineplex's website for Winnipeg, and it's not playing uh, in Grant Park either. So I'm just double-checking the listings on that to find out if it is, in fact, playing. But based on what we know about this film, you probably don't want to I, see it.
1: I would sit in the movie theater and watch the previews and decide, based on the preview. Whether or not it was a rental, I'm going to say that this one's a rental without even seeing the preview or the trailer.
0: Oh, and there's a Cana- there is a movie that looks pretty good, though, playing uh, just at Grant Park. It's called Ice Blue. It's a Canadian movie shot in Alberta, and it looks rather mysterious. Just uh, look up Ice Blue on YouTube. As
1: you may already know, today is May the 4th. It's a date Star Wars fans have claimed for themselves.
5: Obi-Wan, may the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be
2: with you.
0: So today we're having coffee, talking about the iconic space fantasy series. Are you a Star Wars fan? Shaneli, I know you are.
4: Yeah, and I've I've been a fan since I was I was a kid, and it's funny because that was because that was all you had to watch when when we were kids was Star Wars. It's it's all you could rent in the the video store, and all of the what toys. What do you mean it's st- all
0: you could rent? It's kind of a terrible video store <laughs> to go into. Well,
4: it's all I wanted to rent. Are they rent. still in business? Well, this was back in the day when like we didn't have VCRs. So you rent a VCR, the kind that was like the the top loading kind, and so they didn't have a huge selection. And but I would always choose. a Star Wars film that's all I would get until one day my mom and my brother said nope no more you I will not I don't want to sit through another Star Wars film again and they made me get something else and that was kind of the end of my my Star Wars fandom for a while because I was kind of crushed by that and there you know I was kind of discouraged until university when I met um, I met a friend and she was really 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 into Star Wars and so I started learning more about Star Wars that way and then uh, my boyfriend when I when I Got him. He's a huge Star Wars well, you fan. got him.
0: <laughs> did he? Did he show up in the mail one
3: day? Kind of, kind of did.
4: Um, huge Star Wars fan. He has every single Star Wars comic ever made, even the, the Dark Horse ones, the ones before the Dark Horse ones, and the new Marvel ones. And huge fan. He knows every single little factoid, uh, and it's and it's and because he's read all of the Star Wars, the novels, the books. He has all of them, and so sometimes it's just fun to pick his brain about. The Star Wars universe and all that. So, um because and because of that, that's really kind of encouraged my love for Star Wars and and it's really just made it just over the top.
1: Oh, that's nice. It, it's yeah. something that connects the two of you. Well,
0: then let him know that instead of a coffee this morning, I'm having a nice hot cafstim. <laughs> A calf stim? Calf stim. That is a, uh, a caffeinated beverage that can be served hot in uh, the Star Wars universe. Wow. Is it like That's
1: ta- digging deep. Is it Tom-, Tom milk or whatever? No, it's not Bantha milk. Bantha milk is blue. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. often I feel vegan, like the so coolest guy the in Bantha the room, enough.
0: but today I'm doing all right, I think. <laughs>
1: Enjoy it while you
4: can, Jeff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Jeff, you, I mean, you're a fan of the
5: Star Wars yeah, series. Yeah, uh, not to that extent
1: or anything. No, I have no no idea what Shanley was talking about for about two minutes there. But
5: I do own all the movies, and I watch the original trilogy every Christmas. I watch the whole thing, and the, the newer ones I've watched several times. I haven't watched those, uh, the prequel ones from 20 years ago in probably 15 years. Was that
1: you and McGregor? Yeah. Yeah, like, those were terrible, right? Yeah. Like, I've never spent Except one moment. The third
5: one wasn't bad. Except every now and then you meet, I, I know a millennial who says the second of those, Attack of the Clones, is his favorite Star Wars movie. That's, that's just, weird. Do you
0: slap them when they say that? No, that's. Well, ugh. there for a while, <laughs> I actually quite liked Attack of the Clones. I sort of like it has the this kind of spaced noir feel. There's it's like a mystery that needs to be solved, and that there are times where or uh, parts of the movie that I really enjoy. But the last time I watched it, which was fairly recently, I found myself not quite enjoying it. It's uh, there, a lot of it is just so silly. When uh, we can, that's another whole discussion about the merit of the prequels, <laughs> which I, I don't want to open well, that's that pretty deep. Pandora's that's pretty boss. Deep stuff. It's,
4: it's funny because I'm I'm teaching a friend about Star Wars, so we're making them making my friend watch all of the Star Wars movies in production order, uh, starting with Episode four, and now the thing is run to the prequels. And so I warned them, I warned her, okay, you know, I'm going to warn you, they're not that great. We have to watch them, we have to sit through them, and we have to sit through them in this order. Um, so we, we got through episode one, and it just watching it again, it's, because it's been a couple of years, and it's, uh, That kid is horrible
0: Did in that she movie.
5: like the original trilogy? Because I can't see a grown-up seeing that she for the first time, it. thinking that's, she, those she are good She loved movies. it
4: right after we watched episode five. She's like, can we watch the next one right away?
1: you know and i i know where you're coming from on that because when you watch them in retrospect it's like, oh, boy, I can see the strings there. Yeah, I could well, see, it's it's like, the <laughs> acting is not very good not, in the first but right. at the <laughs> time. But at the time, when you saw them for the first time, closer to when they came out, they were spectacular. But what I wanted to ask, is there any other set of films that when you meet someone that says, yeah, I've never seen any single one of them, you go, you kind of turn your nose up. I don't know if there's any other film, singular or series, when someone says that they haven't seen Star Wars, you kind of look at them like they're odd. I think Harry Potter's
4: <laughs> getting to be that way. Yeah, I
1: suppose yeah. it could be. Yeah, I've, I've only seen, seen one Harry Potter so far. I've only seen one of them, and it was the second one. I saw the fifth one.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know that I would have that reaction if someone says they'd never have a, see a Harry Potter movie. But either. the Star Wars you do, yes? Yeah, well... it's just, am I exaggerating? No, well, uh, partly for two reasons. One, Star Wars is just so ubiquitous. Two... It's it's been span, has spanned so many generations now. We had movies in the '70s and '80s, and then we had movies in the '90s and the early aughts, and now we've got a new series of movies. So to imagine that you can go that whole time without having seen one is interesting and impressive. i I'm not. I don't want. I, I don't cast any judgment upon anybody for having not seen them. But that it, mostly it's really. How, how? how could you have gone this long without seeing it? Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And is there another series where, you know, I saw the first one was 1977, right? So I'm eight years old. My kids see their first Star Wars movies when they're nine, and they play with the Star Wars Lego. Like, they are in love with this series of movies as much as I was in the original three. And I can't name or think of any other series where that can be the case, where Parents and kids that are thirty-five plus years in in age difference can sort of be having the same experience with the with the same film.
0: Maybe James Bond. Yeah, I was just about to Maybe say James, James Bond. Bond. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but that's but not uh, really for little
4: kids I see either.
1: It's,
5: no, yeah, that's more
4: that's of an older thing. thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch a James Bond movie until I was older. Um, I don't know. The only other thing I can think of is not not necessarily the movie series, but the sh- but the show, Star Trek. I mean, if you've never seen Star Trek and like I have no words for you.
1: <laughs> you have no I've words. I've not seen any of the Star <clears throat> Trek films. Like not you mean no. one single one?
4: But but what about the show? Any of the shows. Yeah, a
1: couple of the episodes or whatever. I don't know. I don't I, I know Star Trek had a huge cultural impact and change and the and a, the stories a big were deal. It, it was a big deal. It was deal. huge like but I don't I like, know, you know what I don't the counter is? good.
0: When did you watch your first hockey game?
4: I actually watched my first hockey game. Uh, it was Jets 1.0.
0: When, when did you watch your... Because you, didn't you just recently... Was it You sat through an entire I game? I sat
4: through an entire playoff game. Uh, because it's also... It's hard to follow if you don't know the rules.
0: And, you, and I don't and know the rules of Star Trek. Does that make sense?
4: I suppose, but I am encouraging you to sit through an episode and give it your total attention and you'll see how profound which, it truly is.
0: Which one? Which cause there are so many series. I
4: you know, I didn't care for Star Trek until I actually was in university and I sat down through an entire episode and I thought this is the most profound thing I've ever seen. The, and it was the, the original. The original. It was well the one where they're like trapped on a planet and there's like the big monster there and it sounds the thing, like
1: every the, single episode. I I,
0: I mean I don't get it. I mean the, the acting
1: is bad in that. Like, the acting.
4: It, the the is acting is bad. bad. Don't pick on William Shatner. He's awesome. Scotty,
0: I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Last night, all dressed up. You were looking like a million dollars last night, Brett. Thank you. You were not dressed in white, unlike about twenty to 30,000
0: people who were downtown for the Jets game last night. But I was wearing Jets colors. That I didn't notice the, that. Uh, the, uh, I mean, it, the, the jacket was dark blue, but yes. it was a blue jacket, white shirt. I had the, uh, like a blue, light blue tie and a little red pocket poof. And grey pants. Nicely done.
1: Yeah. Nicely done. Very nicely done. Hey, the Manitoba Museum is going to uh, get a nice pot of money to change things over there. Uh, Jeff Braun, what did he say in his news? If if you haven't been there since you were in school, you haven't missed much because it hasn't really changed. Uh, that's part of the charm of the Manitoba Museum. I hope they don't get rid of the gallery that celebrates Winnipeg, that Main Street Winnipeg back in the 1930s with oh, that's the one of my little parts. right with the little movie theater and the streetcar and everything in there and the uh, they used to have a little store I think where you could buy uh, different candy and whatnot. So uh, I hope they don't get rid of that, but it'll be uh, neat to see what they come up with. So we'll tell you about that a little bit more. Brown water is still an issue in our city, even though we're working hard on fixing that along with the roads. Brown water. Th- is there anything more disgusting when you turn on your tap than to have brown swamp water coming out into your sink?
0: No, it's it's uh, it's it's rather unsettling to say the least. (laughs) You pour yourself a glass of water, and it's yeah, it looks like like sediment, like something that you pulled out of a a fast food deep fryer. Without,
1: yeah, that's a really you're painting a really graphic and accurate picture there, uh, Brett. And uh, also, a new poll came out. We got the Ipsos poll that shows that the Liberals and the Conservatives are once again neck and neck following uh, the last month poll, which showed the Conservatives ahead by the Liberals by about seven percentage points. Uh, once again, they're neck and neck. In fact, I think it looks like the Liberals have surpassed the Conservatives by one percentage point. So uh, inside the, the whole margin of error. So it's a virtual dead heat as we look at uh, federal politics It's a dead heat in the Western Conference semifinal between the Jets and the Predators. The Predators evened the series last night with a 2-1 win. Jets had a series lead of 2-1 going into the game last night, but the Predators locked things down. They got an early goal, then they managed to get a power play goal from public enemy number one, PK Subban, and really shut things down. The Jets didn't get much going, but... uh, Boy, what another amazing night to put Winnipeg and downtown Winnipeg on display! The weather was gorgeous. Thousands of people out and about. It was uh, once again a very special evening for hockey fans and and those just kind of getting into hockey. I think last evening, it's uh, this has been a very special time in our city.
0: Now you went to the game. Mm-hmm. You were you. This was a, <clears throat> a source of. Consternation for you uh, for the last few days because of the start time, the 8:30 p.m. start time, because of the time that the alarm clock goes off. You know, we we the, the clock strikes 2:30, and and that's when that's at least when I start to get <laughs> you try,
1: you try to start getting up at 2:30. I try to be in the shower by three. Yeah. Uh, this morning it was more like about 3:35 because the snooze button was my best friend. So about three hours sleep last night. It's not a ton. I'm glad I went. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. As disappointing as the outcome was, I'm glad that I went. It was still a spectacle. And let's face it, there's not a whole lot that would keep me from going to a Winnipeg Jets game. Plain and simple. You know, no matter where it is. So, uh, for those that uh, went last night and that are feeling a little blurry-eyed, I'm feeling your pain this morning. And I mean, hey, you stayed up to watch it as well. So, I mean, hey, you saw 11:45, 11:50 on the clock, or at least uh, about that. So, uh, I'm not alone in this. Not a lot of kids at the Jets game last night. I bet you! I bet you there were there
0: were no kids at the wine festival last night. I didn't see any kids at the wine <laughs> festival last night, but that was part that was part one of my two sort of pronged evening downtown uh, because I and I'll tell you about the second part in a moment. But our boss said, "Hey, we've got these tickets for the Winnipeg Wine Festival Gala Dinner tonight. Do you want to go?" And I said, "Well, I have a prior commitment." Can I, can I go to the gala for a little bit and then leave? And he said, okay, sure, no problem. So I got to go to the, uh, the Winnipeg Wine Festival Gala and auction in support of Special Olympics. They, I think they said it was their 17th, and they've raised $21 million for Special Olympics. So good for them. And it was a five-course meal. Sell the wines of Italy are the theme this year. I only got to enjoy two of those courses. The first one was, uh, what do you call it, that antipasto? The, fa- I, the fancy meat. Go with that. Let's go with fancy Italian meat. Yes. Um, And then the second one was a salad that was served in a Parmesan bowl. Like the bowl was made of Parmesan. Oh. And yes, I
1: tried to eat it, but it was too hard. Dude, we used to have Parmesan cheese wafers uh, with one of the salads mm-hmm. at Earl's. It was like my favorite thing to nibble on. Just basically shredded, grana padana, Parmesan cheese that you would put in the oven and yeah. make a wafer out of it. They did the whole bowl like that. You should have collected yeah. them, broken them up, and sold
0: them. So the wine festival was cool, and then uh, we wandered down the street to Hudson's Bay Company into the basement uh, for the Third and Bird market. We've been interviewing Chandra and Sharla from Third and Bird for a couple of years now, and they have these pop-up markets that where they take over the floor of Hudson's Bay, and it's all local vendors. So they the, these local vendors come in and set up shop for the weekend. Last night was the early bird sort of reception. The mayor was there. I missed Mayor Brian Bowman, but he had been there earlier. And uh, I put a whole bunch of pictures and videos on my Instagram if you want to check it out at Brett McGarry, if you want to see for yourself. But yeah, I dropped 100 bucks almost instantly. I walked in and they had this uh, this print, a guy named Kevin Foley, and you can look at his work on Instagram as well. And he does these like post-apocalyptic sort of remixes, as he calls it, of of day-to-day, uh, just regular landscapes, where he drops in images of doom and gloom and Star Wars and fantasy and whatever into, like, Winnipeg streetscapes, But he also did this special one of uh, the Winnipeg Arena, blending the old and new, which I picked up for you.
1: Which is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much for thinking of me and bringing that in. It's like a collage that looks like one sort of arena scape, but is a collage of different eras of the Winnipeg Arena. And uh, of, of MTS Center slash Bell MTS Place. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I'm going to cherish that. It's it's a wonderful piece of work.
0: Yeah. And so that's really nice. Uh, I bought, uh, I found a, a, a stand with a whole bunch of tea towels. And uh, they're celebrating like so much stuff that just had Winnipeg on it. But this one said, I don't, can I say, I'll say it. It says, I'm a Sandy Hooker. Because it's from Sanford to celebrate Sandy Hook, uh, Manitoba, which is just by Winnipeg Beach. So I picked that up for some friends. Uh, Generate Cakes were there selling macarons. They have a new location opening June 1st at the Forks. Sweet Sea Bakery was there. They have a new location opening in Kildonan Place coming soon. I was overwhelmed. It was just, there was so much cool stuff there uh, to see, to buy. So if you want a unique shopping experience, you got to go check it out. Third and Bird, Hudson's Bay Company. Go to thirdandbirdevents.com and you can also find them all over social media, Third and Bird. It's really a spectacular time.
1: It seems as though, and I haven't been down there yet, a genuine celebration of all things Manitoba.
0: Yeah yeah, so much local stuff, they like, you would love it. you actually, if you went there, you you would be spending a lot of money, because <laughs> there's so much merchandise with Winnipeg emblazoned upon it, and various things. I bought a, a, a from Fresh Emblem, an air freshener for my car that's carved out of wood and uh, in the letters YWG for the Winnipeg airport. So yeah, just go check it out. Uh, we got to give those wine festival tickets away. Absolutely, we do.
1: Can I give a shout out real quick to uh, uh, a vendor at Third and Bird real quick? Prairie Sisters Loom, uh, a good friend of mine. There, they're making their debut there. Right on. Uh, and so uh, it's their first time. So I wanted to give them a sh- uh, shout out. The Manitoba Moose on the ice tonight downtown. As if there hasn't been enough hockey in downtown Winnipeg all week. Two more games this weekend. Tonight and tomorrow afternoon we're not just cheering on one team in playoffs. Here in Winnipeg, the Manitoba Moose have made it past the first round of the AHL playoffs and they will be at home to take on the Rockford IceHogs, Rockford, Illinois.
0: And uh, do you know what Thank an IceHawk is? Well, that was the question I was going to ask our guest. Thank well, you. Well, then why don't we do that? All right. Let's introduce Daniel Fink, who is the communications director for the Manitoba Moose. And Daniel, what is an ice hog?
5: You know what, gentlemen? Last time I was on, I think was last season at some point. We ended up talking about swamp rabbits. So this seems about par for the course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what an ice hog is. Uh, That's probably something you'd have to ask them. Um, But, uh, you know what? Uh, As it comes to the team, they're a a pretty darn good hockey team. And the Moose will definitely uh, have their hands full with another great challenge here after a five game series against the defending champs. And,. You know what it's it's another playoff game day in winnipeg and i don't think it gets any better than that
1: well you're you're not kidding daniel and of course the the moose managed to knock off the defending calder cup champion grand rapids griffins in a five game series and so i'm assuming that rockford managed to up and the chicago wolves is that correct
5: that is correct and talk about uh, a couple of really great series i mean the uh, the Rockford Chicago series only went three games of the best of five, but uh, it took a triple overtime game to to finish that off. And I mean, just for a little reference, Chicago is uh, one of the hottest teams in the uh, in the entire league, having had a rough start and then finished off uh, very very strong. And then on the flip side of that, uh, in the in the Moose series, the the Grand Rapids Griffins again. The defending champs maybe had a bit of a Calder Cup hangover to start the year. It took a little while to get going, but man, did they ever! Towards the end of the season, finish the season uh, red hot. But the Moose uh, just found a way to to shut them down in Grand Rapids for the last couple of games and uh, pick up two of three wins uh, on the, on the road. So it was uh, it was quite the display from the Moose, who uh, were definitely. Getting a bit of an education at times, it seemed from the uh, from the champs, but uh, learned quickly and uh, and came out on top. So uh, I wouldn't expect anything less from this upcoming series.
1: So this is a seven game series, but best of seven, uh, first team to win four. So the Moose will have home ice advantage in this series, or is it Ice uh, Rockford that has the uh, home ice? And how does it set up before we talk about some more details here?
5: Well, the Moose uh, will have home ice advantage in this series. So uh, just how it works uh, with with this series, because of the travel involved, it'll be uh, the first two games here in Winnipeg this weekend, uh, tonight at 7 o'clock and tomorrow at 4 p.m. And then uh, they'll play the next three games in Rockford uh, next week and then before coming back for 6 and 7 here in in Winnipeg. So the last couple of games on home ice, always so key and uh, obviously need a good start here this weekend.
0: So, tomorrow's game is at 4 o'clock, and the Jets play at 8.30, and there's going to be a viewing party at Bell MTS Place for the Jets party, so there is potential, what if the the Moose go to overtime?
5: Well, uh, (laughs) with that, um, I mean, you're, you're looking at, for the two to run into each other, you're looking at probably double or triple overtime, so... We're already going to be in for a long haul, but uh, as long as the game ends with uh, with the appropriate amount of time, they'll do a quick clear of the building, do a quick clean to get it ready for uh, the viewing party, and then let everybody in doors as normal. Um, if the moose game keeps on running into that uh, doors time, and it gets to the point where okay, we got to let folks in, then. Uh, Anyone who's coming for that viewing party is welcome to, to wander into the bowl and uh, check out what's going on on the ice. So it <laughs> doesn't get much better than wandering in into the middle of double or triple <laughs> overtime. So uh, it's, it is a fantastic opportunity to see both of uh, Winnipeg's hockey teams in action today. So uh, if you don't have your tickets for the Moose game, you don't have your tickets for the viewing party, why not just do both today
1: daniel fink communications director for the manitoba moose and i'm uh, i can remember back in the day at the old winnipeg stadium if you showed up after the start of the third quarter you could walk in to the stadium, they wouldn't ask for your <laughs> ticket. So uh, that's about as close as you're ever going to get uh, to that. Uh, the Moose uh, drew uh, good crowds for the two home games against the the Griffins. Uh, how are ticket sales uh, looking as we head into tonight's into tonight's game and tomorrow afternoon, Daniel?
5: Well, they're chugging right along. It's always uh, it's always a lot of work in playoffs. Uh, for for the For the minor league teams that uh, you don 't have a whole ton of time to to sell those tickets and uh, you just to scramble to get everybody in the building, so we 're looking for a great walk up today. We know that Winnipeg loves its hockey teams, and uh, we 're looking forward to seeing all our passionate fans back at bell Mts place tonight uh, for for another great playoff game
0: well I, mean, I know that uh, the moose as well are are a great affordable uh, alternative for, particularly for families one of my, my friend Kent and his son Regan. Um, they go to a lot of the moose games. They bought a pack for the moose playoffs and uh, I think Regan is actually more excited about the moose than the Jets because he loves going to the games so much with
5: his dad well and that's the thing i mean there there's really and can't say it without with complete certainty but there's there's few if not any other places that you can see a very, very close to NHL product when it comes to everything going on off the ice, the game production. And then you have one of the best hockey leagues in the world and the AHL in front of you on the ice. I and mean, you put it together with with the ticket prices and things like that. it just doesn't get a whole lot better when you're looking for to go to hockey games and w- when you're taking the kids uh they they have a little more room to to kind of be themselves rather than being uh, than uh, maybe stuck, cramped, cramped together in, in a jets game when every seat is is packed there's usually a little more room at the boost games, so they have more room to kind of run around and also you're not too worried about uh maybe the kids not not paying attention the whole time because uh, it, it, again it is a bit of a different uh bit of a different feel, bit of a different vibe, and uh, you know what, that's that's why we're here, is to uh, provide that opportunity, provide that experience for kind of the, the families of, of Winnipeg and get them kind of introduced again to, to pro hockey.
1: Well, I think you're understating things a little bit, Daniel, and I'll give you the pat on the back here. For the time that the NHL was not in Winnipeg, the Manitoba Moose were viewed as sort of the unofficial 31st NHL franchise before Las Vegas came around. Uh, there were only 30 teams in the league, and a lot of people looked at the Moose as that sort of unofficial 31st NHL team based on the way they ran their operations. And I can only imagine that things have gotten better since the return of the NHL. Daniel, thank you for this. We will uh, catch up with you in the next week and uh, find out where things stack up for games six and seven if necessary.
5: Awesome. Thanks again for having me on. Don't forget folks can get their tickets at moosehockey.com/tickets or stop by the uh, the box office uh, downtown and then just sorry one last thing before I go we are having a, a bring a tin for the bin tonight and tomorrow at uh, at both games so if folks want to bring down a non-perishable food item for Winnipeg Harvest that would be great. And one more thing
0: Daniel because you mentioned something that many are probably wondering swamp rabbits I looked it up, but do you remember with this? Who the Swamp Rabbits are?
5: That's the Greenville Swamp Rabbits of the ECHL.
0: Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we were having a conversation about how the AHL has so many teams with really neat names, like the the Ice Hogs and <laughs> the Swamp Rabbits. Yeah, look it up. They've they've got a great uh, logo as well. Uh, Daniel, come back anytime. All right.
5: Great. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Daniel Fink is the communications director for the Manitoba Moose, opening the second round of the Calder Cup playoffs tonight at Bell MTS Place, uh, 7 p.m. tonight, 4 p.m. tomorrow. If they get to the point where the Jets game is underway at the same time as the Moose game, as in the Moose have gone into, like, triple overtime or whatever, the Jets game will be played on the TVs on the concourse.
1: Friday morning. Gary Mackling with you until 10 o'clock or joined by the one the only Bob Irving I don't know when we spoke to Bob last I think it was in 2017 though happy new year Bob Happy New Year to you guys. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been Happy New Year on the fourth of May, but we're going with it and we're sticking with it. Uh, right. Great to uh, connect with you again. Hey, uh, before we talk about the Blue Bombers and uh, the CFL draft last oh, night, oh. a real exciting player potentially that the Jets, uh, the Jets, the Bombers uh, took with their with their first pick. Uh, did you know that there was a uh, Twitter poll taken on what kind of beer you drink on uh, Friday night? <laughs>
3: no, that's the first I've heard of that.
1: Well, you uh, you admitted Who that you... heard started that? Uh, a, a guy by the name of North End, Rick. He is a Twitter okay. machine. Okay. And uh, you admitted that you were going to uh, in, uh, crack a cold one yes. and sit back and just be a fan and watch some
3: hockey. I remember that tweet, yes.
1: Okay, so North End Rick says, okay, folks, since he's admitting to tipping back a beverage this <laughs> evening, what beer do you believe Bob Irving drinks? Is it an American brand, something international, or is it Canadian or even local? I'm going with Keith's, and there were many people who weighed on this, and uh, Canadian or local won by a considerable amount with 70 Six percent of the votes. What kind of uh, hoppy beverage did you indulge in, Mr. Irving?
3: Well, you know, that was so long ago now. I can't remember, but I am a uh, an equal opportunity beer drinker. I can tell you that. And uh, uh, every time I go buy a case at the liquor store, which isn't that often, I don't want to make this sound like I'm you know I'm over the top on this, but I get a different kind. But it's always a Canadian brand. So there you go.
1: There we go. So the uh, masses are correct.
0: Had a boy, Bob.
1: You are the friend of so many uh, over the years, and so tell us a little bit about Rashawn Simonize, uh, a player. Do, do we call it a checkered past?
3: Well, yeah, that might be a little strong, I guess. Greg uh, Rashawn, Rashawn Simonize uh, played at the University of Calgary. He's a Vancouver native, and he really blossomed in. 2015 with the the Dinos. He was an All-Canadian. He caught 65 passes for 1,013 yards. That's a lot in an eight-game CIS at that time season. Uh, But he was declared academically ineligible for the next year, so he uh, held his own uh, sort of uh, camp, and a bunch of NFL teams came to look at him, and the Cincinnati Bengals signed him, and he played four preseason games with them in 2016. And anybody who can survive four preseason games down there has some talent, obviously, caught a couple of passes, but then was cut in September after testing positive for PEDs. And the story that's performance enhancing drugs. And the story I've heard is that he was kind of undersized uh, when the Bengals signed him, and so he took something that allowed him to add some weight very quickly. Uh, That's the story I've heard. Anyway. Because of that positive test, his draft year in the CFL was deferred by one year from 2017 to 2018, this year. So he went and played junior football for the Okanagan Sun and was brilliant again. He had over a 1,000 yards and was named an All-Canadian. And last year he played some junior and he wound up playing a little bit of indoor football in the U.S. So this year he was eligible for the Canadian draft. The Bombers uh, had him here for the Combine. They interviewed him. Uh, they were very impressed with his attitude and the fact that, you know, he said, I've made some mistakes, but that's all behind me now, and I'm ready to get serious about my football career. He's a tremendous talent. He's 6'5", uh, just over 200 pounds. Uh, he's got good speed. Uh, you know, he's apparently extremely good athlete. Uh, and so, you know, he's a guy that we'll be watching very closely when rookie and main camp opens.
1: So, the Bombers uh, picking him at number 12 after trading their pick. And I guess uh, the one thing we didn't know going into last night is the fact that this uh, pick of Simon Eyes may have been induced somewhat by an injury to Matt Coates.
3: Yeah, Matt Coates, uh, I think the fans will remember, Greg, uh, came on and started a number of games at the end of last year and played very well. One of the Canadian receivers in their lineup. He suffered a training injury this winter, a foot injury and he's not going to be ready for training camp and uh, the bombers aren't sure he'll be ready for the start of the regular season so that heightened the you know the necessity to add to their canadian receiving depth and uh, thus the drafting of Rashawn Simon eyes and then with their second pick they took Daniel Peterman from McMaster a, a receiver who again showed very well at the combine here in Winnipeg back in March so I know I talked to Kyle Walters a bit last night and he was very pleased that Peterman was there at pick 26 Uh, they they thought they'd get either Simon Eyes or Peterman with the first pick, but they wound up getting both of them. And, you know, that adds to their Canadian depth, especially in the light of Coates being injured.
0: Now, Bob, they were, that was, so they got Simon Eyes with their first pick, 12th overall, but they also got someone named Daniel Peterman of McMaster, second selection, 26th overall.
3: Right, yeah. And he's, uh, boy, I've seen the film highlights of him, uh, I don't know who to compare him to, but he's a stocky receiver. He's really quick, um, you know, has pretty good speed. And, again, the, the kind of player that when you watch on film, you go, oh, boy, this guy's got some, he's got some upt- potential. But now when he gets out there against the pros, it, it looks a little different, obviously. But, yeah, another, another intriguing prospect, shall we say.
1: Now obviously important to build through the Canadian draft it was a uh, an area that was a shortcoming for the Bombers for a handful of years we the Blue Bombers seem to have turned that around to the point where You're not even necessarily expecting. You're obviously hoping Simon Eyes can come in and and claim a spot of some sort. Uh, But for for several years, Bob, the Blue Bombers were picking offensive linemen, and it was almost as though they were anointed at least some sort of playing time in their rookie year because the Blue Bombers were short on quality Canadian offensive linemen.
3: Yeah, they've really stockpiled in that area, Greg. Uh, Suk Chung, Matthias Gosen were top draft picks. They're starters now on that offensive line. Uh, They drafted uh, Jeff Gray from the U of M last year, and he may or may not show up here, but they've got Quadri Spooner, who was a draft pick last year, another offensive lineman in the hopper, so they didn't feel the need to go after an O-lineman, and I think seven of the first nine players taken yesterday in the draft were offensive linemen, and that's not unusual. That's it's kind of typical. Uh, CFL teams often look in that area when, when they're in the first round of the draft, but the Bombers just didn't feel the urgency, and that's why they made the trade out of the first round, and next year we'll have two first-round picks. So uh, Kyle Walters really has done a great job, you guys, with the draft. He's... You know, it's very rare for a player, a first-round pick in the CFL, to come in and make an impact in his first year. It takes some time. Uh, but Walters has done a wonderful job. I look back to the 2015 draft. Uh, they got Suk Chung, and then two years ago, uh, they took uh, Trent Corney, Michael Couture, and Taylor Loeffler uh, in a row, and those players have all made an impact with the Bombers. So they've done a great job stockpiling their Canadian talent.
0: So, Bob, how optimistic should fans be as we get ready for the 2018 CFL campaign?
3: Well, Brett, I think they should be very optimistic. The team won 12 games last year. They were 12-6. and six. They've lost some players, but they've added some as well. So I think that's kind, of a, that's kind of an even-steven split. The problem, and I tell all the fans who ask me about this the same thing, the problem the Bombers face is the Western Division is going to be incredibly <laughs> tough. BC will be better, Saskatchewan will be good, Edmonton and Calgary will be good. Uh, and I think the Bombers will be good. So I can hardly wait for it to start. I mean, the home openers against Edmonton, the season openers against Edmonton at Investors Group Field, and we'll get an early indication of where it's going. But I think the Bombers are going to be good, but so are the other teams in the West. So, uh, hey, let's let's roll it out and see what happens.
1: 28, 28 days, 10 hours, 45 minutes, until the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers get underway in the first preseason game. And uh, this weekend on Saturday... May the 5th, tomorrow, 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. It is FanFest. All sorts of great activities on the field at Investors Group Field for fans. My kids have been there in the past. The weather's been kind of lousy. The last couple times they've done this, it's going to be spectacular tomorrow. Bob Irving, thank you for this. And uh, get back to your uh, off-season training
3: is when I come back full time that's when rookie camp opens so I'm going to take the next few days to do what uh, Brett likes to do and that's play a little golf
5: Attaboy!
0: You do do all those ads for Breezy Ben and I always wondered does Bob actually get to go play? Good for you
3: Sometimes, yeah occasionally yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right on man, thank you very much Bob Irving, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers
1: I got my Maracas today I forgot them Wow I didn't bring them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> forgetting means that I had planned to bring them, and I—I and, uh, I admit I, I did not. Tomorrow is a huge day for for Mexicans uh, around the world, and in our community here, we have uh, an outstanding uh, group of uh, Mexican uh, nationals and former Mexicans in our communi- community. And one of those is with us this morning, Elma de la torre is with the mexican association of manitoba she's here to tell us about the big party good morning alma
6: good morning great Brett to make, Greg.
1: great to make your acquaintance
6: thank you thank you for giving us this opportunity to talk to your listeners it's wonderful the thought of just having this community event and sharing it with everybody that has actually shared their costumes their country with us it's just great
1: how many Mexicans are there in, in Manitoba? Don't
6: know. I have no idea, but I can tell you I have been here for 14 years and the community seems to be growing and growing and growing. It's not only in Winnipeg, but in Brandon, there is a strong community of Mexican people. I was living in Asher in Manitoba for quite a while and I was the only Mexican. And every time I came to Winnipeg, just listening to Spanish in the street was just a call. And my husband used to say, hey, why are you talking to everybody on the street They are speaking Spanish? Spanish. I need to go to them. <laughs> I and I that. found the association. And now I know that there is more and more people coming or at least finding each other. Where are you from? I am from Mexico City.
0: What brought you to Manitoba?
6: Well, my husband is a chemical engineer, and he was brought by a Canadian company to implement some uh, projects only for three years. We've been here for 14. We love this country that much.
1: Wow. I love those stories of where you're coming for a weekend and you you stay for a lifetime. So I think a lot of people are under the impression that Cinco de Mayo is Mexican Independence Day, but that's not exactly right, is it?
6: (laughs) That is not right. Um, It's an interesting story. Cinco de Mayo is the day in which the Mexican defeated the French French army that was trying to invade Mexico. But here's the thing. We actually didn't defeat them. We just stopped them for one day. Cinco de Mayo is 5th of May. That's the day of the battle when it happens in 1862. And actually, we stopped them. But at the same time, the civil war was happening in U.S. and many Hispanics were fighting for their freedoms and democracy. And when they heard about us beating the French army, they thought we have won the war. But it's just like the Jets. They lost the game. Just the one game. There is chance for them to come back. French came back and took Mexico. The story is not about that war. It's about the fact that the Mexican army didn't have many resources and they actually called citizens like you and I to come and fight with them. They grabbed machetes, they grabbed sticks, they grabbed whatever they had, and they faced the army. So it's about the Mexican um, way of dealing with life. We just don't give up. And we always find a way to celebrate something. Cinco de Mayo is nothing but a great excuse to get together.
0: (laughs) So it's uh, the 15th anniversary of the Mexican Association of Manitoba. That's right. What do you guys do?
6: Well, I'll tell you a little bit about the association first so you get an idea of why the events that we're going to do this year. The association is a nonprofit organization that works thanks to the effort of volunteers. Nobody is getting paid there. There is just pure passion and uh, they willing willing to share who we are and what we love about our country, the things that we miss, but also the things that make us connect with you Canadians. Uh, the association has been working on connecting people for 15 years. And this year is special. Because of that, we will have the Cinco de Mayo celebration for families to come and join us. doesn't matter whether they are Mexican or not. Everybody is welcome to come. Later on, we're going to participate at Folklorama with one of the best pavilions you have ever seen. I promise that Mm. we're bringing the Veracruz University to perform for us. And uh, Veracruz is actually turning 150 years next year. So you can expect a big, big thing from the Mexican pavilion. After that, we will participate in cultural days. Then we will have the Independence Day, which is actually the big, big celebration in Mexico. The date for that is September 16, and we will have more information coming close to that. That is going to be a big party, not only because of the Independence Day, but because we will amalgamate also the anniversary of the association in a gala event.
0: No, we only have 30 (laughs) seconds, so we have to be quick, but I understand you need volunteers for Folklorama. How do they, uh, anybody wants to volunteer, how do they get in touch with you?
6: Well, they can access the website. That's www.mexicanmb.ca. Mexican with a Y, not an I.
0: Okay, and uh, the Cinco de Mayo uh, potluck. Uh, That's happening as well. It's open for the public, right?
6: So tomorrow from 5 to 7 p.m., we're going to have activities for grown-ups and for children. We're going to have a setup for people to play soccer, to enjoy a bouncy castle, to enjoy salsa lessons. They can bring whatever they want to eat and share with the community. The Mexican Association will provide hot dogs and hamburgers and then we're going to have lots of fun. This is going to happen at St. Vital Park. The address is 190 River Road. in. Winnipeg, and the shelters A and B will be reserved for this party.
0: Alma de la Torre, public relations officer of the Mexican Association of Manitoba. Thank you very much for joining us.
6: Thank you. Have a fun day.
0: We'll have to find an excuse to bring you back. Greg McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. Oh, is this a Supergirl? Yes, it is. Very good. Supergirl theme from the, the CBS, then CW show. Um, and the reason why we're playing that music is something we'll explain in just a moment. But before we do that, oh, yes. who won the Carol Burnett tickets behind the glass, Jerry? Valerie Popowitch. Valerie Popowitch, I think I recognize that name. Valerie is a longtime listener of this radio station. Is that calling from the, or should we say where they were calling from? Uh, no, we'll no. ask
1: later. We'll <laughs> ask later.
0: We'll confirm later. Okay. We're hoping it's from a,
1: a, a certain place.
0: But yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you about that uh, yeah. later on. We saw it on the, dis- the call display, and we we, knew, we know that they're very loyal listeners. Uh, but the question was What? <laughs>
1: Carol Burnett did not perform her show by herself. She was an outstanding talent, but she had a little bit of an ensemble cast to help her out. And we wanted to know who the rest of the cast was. And Jerry, who was the rest of the cast? You did not need to look this up I either. I did not. I'm very proud of you. Uh, Tim Conway. Yes. Harvey Korman. Yes. Vicky Lawrence. Yes. And Lyle
0: Wagner. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Right he- on, Valerie. Congratulations to beat the box office tickets. Carol Burnett, an evening of laughter and reflection where the audience asks questions. September 27th, Centennial Concert Hall. Tickets go on sale Monday. It's an exciting exciting time for comic book lovers because tomorrow is free comic book day at Participating Stores. And this weekend the Prairie Comics Festival is on at the Millennium Library. So this festival is not only a place to discover new stories, but you also get to meet the creators behind them. And we are joined live in studio by well-established comic book artist and writer, Mariko Tamaki, who is a guest at the event. Mariko, welcome.
2: Thank you. Actually, I'm just a writer, not an artist. Not an artist. Not an artist.
0: Okay.
1: Well, I mean, hey, I, sorry about that. I have the that. soul
2: of an artist, but I'm not an actual... <laughs> well, I you can't make it happen on the paper. Well,
1: you, could, you could argue that the artistry is in crafting <laughs> the words, right? Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, I argue that all the time. Uh, yeah, But what, sure.
1: what an incredible way to make a living.
2: I mean, it's, it's the weirdest job. I wake up, you know, at 10 o'clock and I put my you know get my coffee and I watch like an hour of television and then that's like my like break into my day but that's like a legitimate way to start my day now like oh I have to watch Iron Man 3 again just like get in the mode (laughs) like like I just feel like the number of times I watch that movie now people will be like that's a lot but I'll be like well it's kind of my job
0: so what comics are you currently writing for
2: uh, so I'm currently working on X-23 for Marvel. And I'm, for
0: those who aren't familiar, who's uh, X-23? That
2: a uh, Daughter of Wolverine. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I'm working on a Harley Quinn book for DC Comics. Okay. And uh, I also write a Lumberjanes series, uh, which is uh, based on the comic book. I write like a middle grade prose series uh, based on the, those books.
0: So you get to write for both Marvel and DC. I do. How does that work?
2: Uh, you know, very well, you know, they're two employers, they're both very nice employers and I, I like them both a lot. Um, and it's really, you know, I think of it as like the, the, the individual characters and individual jobs, which I am so happy to have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what other, you've you all, Jerry played Supergirl. Yes. You, you spent some time writing for Supergirl as well.
2: I did a Supergirl comic, um, which is actually going to be uh, released as like a the whole collection, uh, with this amazing artist named Joelle Jones. It was called Supergirl Being Super. So, yes, I also got to write about uh, Krypton and stuff like that and discover, you know, it's writing these superheroes, you get to find out all this weird stuff like about their powers, like, I was talking with an editor, and she was like, oh, she has the power to, like, blow, like, really cold breath. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's like a power. And I was like, I never thought of that as a power, but that's good to know. So then you can incorporate that into a story.
1: How deep does the backstory go that you have to the storylines, the previous storylines, that you have to keep all straight in order to uh, be true to the character development and the stories?
2: Well, it depends if you're writing in continuity or out. So, for example, I did a She-Hulk comic uh, a couple comics for Marvel, and there it was in continuity, so you do have to know, obviously, all of her her, her complicated, very complicated past. Uh, and then you do. Like, I keep all these notes where I'm like, this happened to her, and then this happened to her. Um, but then sometimes you get to do out-of-continuity thing. The Supergirl was out-of-continuity, so then you get to make up your own backstory. But then it's also equally complicated because then you have to know all the stuff because you made it up. Um, and then that is also, you know, that's a whole other thing to remember.
0: Now, when it comes to terminology for comic books, uh, it's either comic book or graphic novel. Right. And uh, many wonder probably, is there a distinction between the two? So I'll ask you that.
2: It depends how nerdy you are. So technically, all comics are uh, images in sequence with like some sort of narrative element to them and a combination of words and pictures. So if you have images in sequence that are telling a story, that's a comic. Uh, you know, the the graphic novel is basically the invention of the publisher's who wanted to publish comics but not have it seem like, you know, they were doing this lowbrow thing. They wanted it to seem very literary. So calling it a graphic novel as opposed to a really big comic is, you know, nicer and maybe, like, more do of, like, fifteen ninety five 95 for, like, a, a whole thing. Uh, but really, comics are a medium as opposed to, like, a, a kind of, like, yeah. Like, it's... Comics now, people think of them as like having a staple and graphic novels are like thick and more expensive. But really all of it is comics. It's like film. It's like comics.
1: Yeah, pardon the terminology, but do you marvel at the fact <laughs> do that, I? that so many of the top movies made in the last two decades are based on comic book heroes and villains and this whole idea that this art form, that this uh, literary form has endured so well over the years, it, it may be as popular now as it's ever been.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. And I think that the audience for comics is amazing. Like, I think that it's changing, too. Like, you see people like Raina Teglemeyer and her comics, which have this, like, you know, um, fan base of kids who read all of her stuff and have read her books a million times. And I love the idea that that group of people is sort of moving towards, you know... Being young adults, comic book readers, going from little kids to young adult to adult, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of you know pans out. You mentioned
0: I mean, a name there, Rena.
2: Tag- Rena. Rena Taglemyer. It- she wrote a comic book called Smile and a comic book called Drama. Um, she wrote many comic books. And every if you go to a kid's house, like if you go and talk to a twelve-year-old and you ask them if they've read Smile, the chances are very, very high that they have. Okay. Which is you know. That's great that they read a book. That's amazing. And it's a really good book. So that's awesome, too.
0: Now, you also have, uh, we've talked about uh, your affiliation with Marvel and yes. with DC. Uh, you also wrote something called Skim.
2: Yes, I did a comic. Skim was my first comic that I did with my cousin, Jillian Tamaki. Uh, so it uh, was published by Groundwood Books. So that was our first, that was my first foray into into writing for comics.
0: Tell us about a little bit about Skim. Uh,
2: Skim is basically, uh, you know, sort of a diary of an angry teenage girl at high school. It's kind of my sort of take on uh, the sort of high school life. It's about somebody who's, uh, she goes to this all-girls private school. I also went to an all-girls private school. Uh, and she uh, is kind of in this time when a boy of a, of a sort of, brother school has committed suicide and her whole school is suddenly sort of awash in all of the sentiment about how terrible that is, but they're also still treating all these other people who go to their school who are like less popular like crap, so she sort of sees the sort of inconsistency in all those things. And it's about falling in love and kind of sort of, you know, that sort of moment when you realize when you are an outsider and you suddenly take that step into like liking yourself as an outsider as opposed to just feeling like, Like it's a mistake somehow that you're an outsider.
1: I wonder how that first conversation went, went with your parents when you told them that this is what you're wanting to do with your life. Were, oh were they gosh. supportive? Or? Uh,
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's a really weird job. You know, like it's not like you're saying, like I'm going to be a doctor. You're like, I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to get paid only when I hand in something. And mostly me getting paid is going to depend on the popularity of this thing and whether or not people sort of really enjoy <laughs> what I'm doing with this very complicated field. My dad has uh, often said to me, he's always like, well, there's, you know, there's other, like you could be right for home, my dad has always kind of brought that up as like a good writing job. Like people writing always need to I know, which is also like about to be, you know, pretty defunct, I would imagine. Like how much <laughs> longer are people gonna be buying green cards? But at the time, it seemed like a like a good gig. So I mean they're incredibly supportive. The reason that I can be an artist is because for many years of my life, my, my parents I had the bank of my parents sure. who were giving me really great loan rates <laughs> so that I could <laughs> pay my rent. So I can't do what I do, or couldn't do what I do without them. But I think it is a befuddling job to support as a parent.
0: What's like, that li- what is it like writing a comic? Uh, like, when you is it just writing words on a page and then handing it in, or do you have to like give direction on what you want to see in the images?
2: I think the closest thing is if you think of like a film script or a like a like a play, like yeah. this idea that you're describing action uh, and dialogue and narration and then that, the sort of visual, what does actually appears on the page is going to get filled in by somebody who's going to do an illustration. Um, I mean, it really is a co-writing process that happens in two very distinct parts. What I try to do is, because there is no, like, specific comic book script format. Everybody kind of has their own way of doing it. Marvel has a way of doing it. Um, you know, graphic novel scripts look very different than comic book scripts. Uh, but what I try to do is, Be as clear about what the story is from my perspective and what I think is happening on the page and then give who I'm working with enough space that they can also sort of tell the story from their perspective using what I've, you know, set out.
0: Well, I think we have to leave it there for time purposes. But mm. uh, Mariko, it's been fascinating chatting with you.
2: It's been fascinating chatting with you guys too.
0: She's going to go see Avengers today, I think. That's it. Yeah,
1: I'm
2: going to get a manicure it, and see Avengers. How is it that
1: like you weren't one of the first 150 <laughs> people on the planet to see this movie?
2: Um, I just it's been been busy, so I haven't had a chance to go see it. I mean, maybe it's because I'm so so uh, tied to watching my other. Like I just also watched Thor like for the third time recently because it's on my phone. Yeah, I'm such a Ragnarok obsessed fan. <laughs>
0: I, I saw it twice in theaters. It's amazing. Yeah,
2: I'm like a Taiko Titi. I'm obsessed with him. So, I've seen that. So, I feel like maybe it's because I watch those movies so often that I don't then like like lift my head up and go and see the next thing as quickly as other people. Well, but I'm if, going today.
0: If you're a fan of Thor, I can tell you you'll be happy with what you see in Avengers Infinity War. I'm very excited. Mariko Tamaki. She's from Toronto. She lives in Oakland now. She writes comic books for Marvel, for DC. She writes her own independent comics. She's an award winner and she's at Prairie Comics Festival, happening at the Millennium Library. There's a reception tonight uh, from 8 until 11, and then it's on tomorrow from 10.30 to 5, Sunday from 1 to 5. Tomorrow, by the way, free comic book day at participating comic stores. Mariko, thanks for coming to visit us. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry and Chanelie Vidal, and thank you for listening to CJOB.